when floodwaters rise, we're there. In the midst of war and conflict, we're there. When help is needed the most. I bet you can hear me now. I'm sorry about the video. It was a, a great video, actually, um, talking about our North Carolina Baptist men. And, oh, my goodness, I'm all tangled up on my buttons and everything else. What a great opportunity for ministry is carried out through our North Carolina Baptist. And it's, a, it's important because not every one of us can be on the front lines when the disaster hits like has taken place uh, just this past week. And so it's important that uh, when disaster happens that that we as Baptists move into action to help those that are affected by it. And so this coming month, or this month actually, since it is September, we're going to be receiving the North Carolina missions offering throughout this month. Uh, now, there are some special envelopes available for that. Uh, this is above and beyond the tithe. If you choose to give, you're, uh, we encourage you to do so. Uh, that money goes to help make sure that not only disaster relief takes place, but other very vital ministries uh, that are carried out through the North Carolina uh, Baptist. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have, uh, our state has a... a um, Oh, what is it? Uh, ultrasound. We have an ultrasound van that will travel to different places so that uh, women can see their unborn children before making the decision to abort. We have a, a bus that is a dental clinic enclosed in it that will come to different towns to help people who can't afford to have dental care, to, to find dental care. All of these are vital uh, ministries that are part of North Carolina Baptist. So that's what this offering is about. Uh, the video is just kind of sh giving you a, a picture of some of the disaster relief. We have people in this room right now who are part of one of those uh, those teams who uh, have gone to those places that have been affected and have served, and we appreciate that so much. So that's what that offering is about. I hope that uh, you were able to get a bulletin on the way in. There are Three announcements there uh, that are extremely important. All three of them are on the first three on the, uh, or first four, let me put it that way, on the right-hand side. Homecoming Sunday, just a couple of weeks away. Uh, deacon nomination, there should be an insert in your bulletin that looks something like this. Um, that gives you an opportunity to uh, nominate men that you th would like to uh, 
see service a deacon that you think are eligible and uh, are, are ready to do so. But here's what we do ask you, and it's on this, this piece of paper. Please get their permission before you submit their name. Uh, make sure you go to them and let them know that you, they have been on your heart. You would like to nominate them for deacon. But, and make sure they're okay with that before you put their name in. That will, that will help out a lot. And then you can just give these uh, to me or any of the deacons that are listed here on that piece of paper. You can hand these nomination forms to one of them as well. Uh, so that's going to be going on throughout the month of September. We need your input on that. Um, I've mentioned the missions offering. So, uh, Brother Jimmy, I think you said you had a announcement you'd like to make. Let me make sure. Yeah, we're on here. I know you're taller than me, but I'm going to go ahead and pull it down anyway. <laughs> Everybody, when you're in your Sunday school room and it's time for the prayer request to come up, often our prayers and the things that we talk about are things that are negative and how the world has negative impacted either you, maybe your family, or, or close friends. Well, this morning, I got a praise offer. Those who were here Saturday out in the playground, yes, there was work accomplished, but, folks, the fellowship that went on was phenomenal. If you weren't there, that's fine. God's got other plans for you, too. But when you hear of something happening, go be with God's people. What you will carry away from it will be immensely great. And kind of, if you haven't walked through and seen what's going over in, in the Sunday school building or preschool, as some of us call it, go look. The transformation over there has been phenomenal. Just to be able to see what God has been able to accomplish because they're the People involved there said, I'm going to go be your hands and feet. And it's the same thing. The devil didn't want that video playing, but I can stand here and I can name names and they will tell you the exact things that you get when you go and you help people. You'll get more out of it than what they do. The blessings are phenomenal when you go out there and be the hands and feet in Jesus. And if you, and your age or abilities don't matter. It doesn't matter if you're not physically able to help. The fellowship that you bring to the table, it's enough. And if you can do a little something, that's great too. But God will always provide the people. I've seen it. I've had my doubts at times. And every time I have my doubts, God comes through and slaps you upside the head and said, boy, I got this. And he does. Thank you. Tom, appreciate it. Just to, to make sure you're aware, we've had three significant projects going on simultaneously. Uh, we have expanded some classrooms in the chapel building to make more room for our preschool to be able to take in more children. This year, instead, we in years past, we've had 30 five to 40 kids last year we had between 65 and 70 this year we'll have 80 
So there has been some growth taking place there, some expansion that has been uh, taking place. Uh, it meant tearing down block walls and rerouting wires and uh, you name it, it took it. Uh, downstairs, we're, we're expanding and creating a new children's church worship space. Uh, again, a lot of work involved in that. Uh, it's right next to our, our nursery. And so that's been going on. And on top of that, we're getting ready for our new playground equipment to hopefully arrive soon and uh, go out in the, new, in the playground area. So we've had to demolish and remove all of that playground equipment. So there has been a lot going on over these last couple of weeks. I know Jimmy and Ann, God bless you, y'all probably have spent 60 hours or better over the past couple of weeks here working. And many of you have given your time and energy uh, to make these projects happen. We're that close to getting them done. So just hang in there. Uh, but uh, I want to say thank you for what you're doing to uh, help us reach more people. Let's take just a moment to uh, pray together, and then we're going to invite our choir to lead us as we worship. Our Father and our God, it's good to be in this house of worship on this Lord's Day. Lord, we know that any one of us in this room could have been a number of other places. There was things we could have been doing, and things that required our attention. But, Lord, today you've called us here, and you've called us here for a purpose and, and for a reason. None of us are here by accident. None of us are here by coincidence. But that every one of us, Lord, that are in this room right now are here because you've called us to this place for this hour. And we pray, Lord, that your perfect will and perfect plan is going to be carried out in our time together. That as we sing together, as we study your word together, as we fellowship with one another, that, Lord, we're going, to, we're, we're going to see you move and work in a mighty way, that we will feel your presence, that we will be able to bask in your glory, that we will be able to declare our great love for you. And we thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you want us to know you. You want us to, to walk with you. You want us to be a part of the kingdom that you're building and in the bride that you're putting together. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, you know the burdens on every heart that's in this room today. You know the celebration that's on every heart that's here today. And we just pray, oh God, that you would do your perfect work today, that bring healing where healing is needed, bring hope where hope is needed, bring encouragement, uh, Lord, where encouragement is needed that your will will be done according to your plan and your design and for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Allow me to put on my children's ministry hat for just a second. Uh, I want to say thank you to the folks that have gone to our Amazon and our Etsy registries to purchase items for our new uh, children's church room. Thank you very much. I also want to say that for some reason... Etsy is a little different in that when things come to us from Etsy, it doesn't give me any indication of who it's from. And if you want to remain anonymous, that's fine. Uh, otherwise, if you want to just say, hey, it was me, but whoever, send us stuff from Etsy. Thank you very much. Um, we are very excited. Keep checking our, our gift registry. We have price, all different price points. But, you know, if you just want to have a little hand in helping to decorate and set up those that room, um, you can go there and, and do that. Now I'm going to put on my music ministry hat. Uh, I want to remind you that this Wednesday night, we start our Christmas cantata, 7.30 down in the choir room. This is open to ages 13 and up. Um, 
I'm working on having the fbclmusic.com website up by this week so that you can go on and, and listen to our music. But come on out Wednesday night, no experience necessary. Bring a friend if they want to sing, even if they aren't part of this church. We would love to have them in our Christmas choir. Well, now I'm going to invite you to please stand and let's continue to worship in song.
Let's pray together as we bless the tithes and offerings that have come in during this past week. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to be able to give to you out of the abundance that you've given to us. And Lord, we recognize and we realize that every single thing that we hold in our hands and that we call ours is really a gift from you. And we thank you for that. And we pray, oh God, that you will bless those who have given as you have instructed them to this week. And we pray that, that the gift will be blessed. That Lord, somewhere, someone is going to come to know Jesus because we were faithful in our giving. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your many blessings. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, once more, as we prepare our hearts to receive today's message, let's stand together and sing. pleasure to have uh, our summer gospel choir uh, lead us in worship at various times during this summer. And we certainly appreciate every person who has been a part of that uh, effort and endeavor. Uh, they showed up really early on Sunday mornings uh, to rehearse and then, of course, uh, to be able to sing for us during our worship services. So we appreciate you guys uh, in the, leading us in the worship. Uh, 
If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to join me in the book of John, chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. Now, I realize that as we're making our way to this passage of Scripture, um, that you recognize John 14, usually most readily, by the first several verses uh, where it talks about uh, God going to prepare a place for us and then coming again to receive us to himself. And, and, and again, that is, is such a, a beautiful passage of Scripture. But what is said after that is just as significant and just as important to us now. Jesus is telling us what will happen. Now he's telling us what needs to happen until then. And so we're going to be looking at that today, as today we begin a new series called Greater, and we're going to be walking through this series together uh, over the next several weeks. And so we're going to begin here in John chapter 14, but we're going to begin in verse number 8, and then read down through verse number 14, which is, in most cases, the, the break in the paragraph. So let's read that together. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I I do not speak them of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father's in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that is living and active and true. Thank you, O God, that you have given us these words to strengthen us, encourage us, to guide us. Lord, you've left no doubt as to what your desire for us is. Lord, you've called us to do things that you then empower us to accomplish. And we thank you, Lord, that you don't expect us to do this in our own power or in our own wisdom or even in our own knowledge. So, Lord, today as we begin our walk through this series of greater, Lord, we pray that today in this passage that you will touch our hearts, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what it is that you want of us, that we may walk according to your divine will, not just as individuals, but as a church. And Lord, give us that assurance and knowing that when we do what you've called us to do, we will be walking within your will. So guide us today, Lord, as we study is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 
In John chapter 13, Jesus reveals to his disciples his pending death. He's going to be betrayed. He's having the Passover meal with his disciples. We, we call it the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper, but he's having that meal with them, and he's, he's instructing them on what's going to be taking place just in the next hours. And he talks about the betrayal that's going to take place. I mean, when he says these things in John 13, he literally is just mere hours away from a mock trial. He's just mere hours from a brutal beating. He's just mere hours from the dawning of a new day where he will be crucified on a Roman cross. And so what he has to say as he's preparing his disciples for what is going to take place next is significant. It carries great weight with it. Over the past three years, these 12 disciples had witnessed some of the most amazing things, all from the hand and the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had witnessed blinded eyes being opened. They had witnessed crippled legs being strengthened. They had even witnessed Jesus walking on stormy waves. They had stood in awe as Jesus fed 5,000 plus people with just five loaves of bread and two fish. And if that wasn't a crowning moment, they had stood outside the tomb of Lazarus as Jesus had called him by name and Lazarus walked out of that tomb. They had witnessed all these things. It had been an amazing three-year journey. But now Jesus has made it abundantly clear that he has come to die for the sins of the world and that he will be resurrected on the third day. He's left no doubt in that. He's made it very clear. Now, they weren't always listening to what he was saying. They were hearing what they wanted to hear. But he was telling them plainly about the death that was to come and the resurrection that would ensue. And his disciples just could not comprehend such a thing. How? How could one who was so obviously to them the Son of God, the the Messiah who had come from God, how could he possibly die? It was beyond their comprehension. It was beyond their, their ability to grasp. And so Jesus is imparting some of his last words before his betrayal. And he tells his disciples one of the most amazing things that if it wasn't enough that he told them he was going to be betrayed, if it wasn't enough that he told them he was going to go prepare a place for them uh, with the Father, if it, and he was going to come back for them, if it wasn't enough that he said all of those things, then he drops this bomb. He tells his disciples, then they will do greater works than the ones that they had witnessed. Let that sink in for just a second. Remember what we just said? They saw blinded eyes open, paralyzed legs strengthened. They seen him walk on stormy seas. They they had seen him raise a dead man. They had seen him feed thousands with very little. 
And now Jesus says to them, but the works that I've done, you're going to do works like those, but you're going to do greater works. Now I want to give a sidebar here because I think it's important. Greater in this case does not mean that they're going to have more power than Jesus possessed. Nor does it mean that they have more knowledge than Jesus possesses. Because Jesus has all power and all knowledge. You can't be smarter than God. You can't be, you can't be more powerful than God. He is the ultimate and, and, and the pinnacle of power and knowledge. So it's not talking about you're going to have more power or knowledge than I have had. He's telling them the works that you're going to be doing is greater in extent. Here's what we have to remember that because Jesus chose to, to, to step out of glory and in the incarnation robe himself in sinless flesh and come to dwell among us on this earth, he had placed himself under the restrictions of time and space. Here's what I mean. His ministry was limited to three years in of a very specific geographic range within the Middle East. So he, he had traveled where he was able to travel and he had done all that he was supposed to do while on earth. He had completed every task that the Father had given him. He was on his way to the cross to fulfill the greatest mission of all, which was to redeem mankind. But with his death and resurrection... A greater work is about to begin. And so he gives to us three truths about that greater work. The first truth is simply this. I want us to see the author of these great works. Who is the author of the greater work? Jesus was so crystal clear in those first verses that we read. He, he wanted them to understand, I haven't just been haphazardly wandering around doing whatever. I haven't just been meandering from village to village or town to town and, and performing these miracles. Uh, nothing that you have witnessed has been coincidental or haphazard in its nature. The Father, he says, has been working through me and in me to do these greater works so that you can see his power and his majesty. I, I only spoke the words that he gave me to speak. I only did the things he told me to do so that he would be glorified and his power and his majesty would be, its, would be shown through all the ministry that was carried out. God the Father had been working through God the Son to reveal His power and His glory. We know that Jesus was, was clear and that He had, uh, while He was doing all of these great things as being directed by, by God the Father, He made it very clear that His ultimate mission was to seek and to save the lost. That's why He came. The truth is that even today God has made it very clear that he's the one building his kingdom. He's the one building his kingdom. All that we may attempt to do, all that we may undertake, 
If we, if we are the author of those things, they will fall for no good and for naught. But God is at work. And, and Jesus is wanting them to understand that the Father has been at work. He's not passively watching as these things happen. He is not standing at a distance. He is actively involved in the daily things. And so we need to understand that if, if there is a greater work to be done, it must be authored by God the Father. He must be the one who says, do this in order for it to be done. He must be the one who says, say that in order for it to be said. He must be the one who leads in a direction in order for the direction to be the right direction. He is at work. He's in the business today as he has been since this day the, these words were uttered. He's been in the business of redeeming the broken, healing the hurting, picking up the pieces and setting the captives free. That's his work. That's what God does. You and I can never take credit for what God does. You and I can only stand and watch as he works in us and through us to do his great will. But when God is the author, then I promise you good things will be the outcome. Because God has a perfect record. There's never one thing that he has set his heart and mind and will to do that has not been done. And not only been done, but done perfectly and done for his glory. He has a perfect record. We don't have to figure it all out. God's going to open the doors for those who have that divine appointment with Him. He's going to guide us and lead us to that place where we can carry out the work that He is wanting to do through us. He is the author of greater works. Jesus wanted to make that clear up front. He, he didn't want to before he, he got to that point where he told them about the greater works. He wanted to make sure they understood from the very beginning that the foundation for greater works is the will of God that is being carried out in the world for his glory and to display his power. So that's the author of the greater work. But there's a second truth then he moves right into and that's the agents of the greater work. Okay, Jesus, you are, you're telling us that you're going to be betrayed. You're telling us that you are going to uh, die and, and be resurrected. So all this greater works, who's going to carry it out? If it's not you, Jesus, then, then who's going to do this? And I, I can't help but think that they probably looked around the table at each other and thought, well, it can't be Peter. He's got foot and mouth disease. It, 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 can't, be, it can't be this one over here because he's a zealot. It, it can't be that one over there because he's a tax collector. Nobody wants to hear what he's got to say. It can't be that one over there. So who's going to do it, Jesus? Who's going to carry this greater work? Listen to what he says. Truly, truly, I say to you. Can I pause right there? 
If you're a child of God, you can take that word you and write your name in it. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. So who are the agents? If God the Son came to accomplish his mission so that the church could accomplish its mission, then it becomes obvious he's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. He's talking to those who have surrendered their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, repented of their sins, turned to Him as Savior, and been saved by grace through faith. That's who He's talking to. So if you fall in that category this morning, He's talking to you. Just like He's talking to me. The birth and death and resurrection of Jesus get a lot of attention, and, and rightly they should. At Christmas, we celebrate His birth, and on Good Friday, we celebrate His death, or remember His death, and on Easter, we celebrate His resurrection. But I've noticed that very rarely in our church goings and doings is the ascension of Jesus rarely talked about. We don't talk about the ascension of Jesus very much. But don't miss what he says here about the ascension. He says, you're going to do these greater works. And you know why? Because I go to the Father. When did he go to the Father? See, here's, here, can I give you an illustration? I used to enjoy back when our space program was flourishing and uh, it, it was enjoyable to to watch the videos or the live feed of the space shuttle launching into space. There is so much engineering and planning and design that goes into getting that hunk of metal and all of that machinery and technology to, to burst off of the ground and to break the gravity of earth so that it can accomplish its mission in, in space. But in spite of it sitting there on the launch pad with all of that technology, with all of that power, with all of, uh, of that, that construction that went into it and planning and, and everything else that's represented in that shuttle sitting on that launch pad, somebody somewhere had to hit the launch button. Right? Somebody somewhere had to say, is it time? Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. Okay, we're ready. And off it went. I believe that the ascension of Jesus is the launch of the New Testament church. That's, that's Jesus hitting the button. All right, boys, it's your turn. Go! He's given us His power. He's given us His mission. He's given us His authority. He's given us everything that we need. And now He says to His disciples, Go ye therefore into all the nations and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. Go. Isn't that what He said? 
Even as Acts chapter 1 opens up and we have the account of Jesus ascending, the angels appear to the disciples who were standing there that day in, in awe of what they have witnessed. And, and what do they say to those disciples? Why are you standing here? Go! Did he, it, it, what part of go don't you understand? He's told you to go. And as born-again believers and part of the church that Jesus died to save, we have been called to go. We are now the agents that carry out the greater work. While Jesus' ministry was limited during His earthly ministry to to geographically uh, a certain area, can I tell you something? The church is not limited by those geographic areas. God the Holy Spirit now indwells every born-again believer and God intends for every born-again believer to carry the message of the gospel wherever they may go. And the, the, the millions of believers around the world, if, we, if each of us, every one of us, decide that we're going to do what Jesus said to do, we're going to see a greater work of God on this planet than Jesus could accomplish all on his own in one little geographic area. You see, we've been called as agents to the greater work. The greater work is now our privilege, but it's also our responsibility. When you look at your hands, if you're a born-again believer, you are looking at the hands of of, of God who wants to reach a world. If you're looking at your feet, you're looking at the feet of God who wants to carry his, his love and his, his gospel to the world. We are the agents of the greater work. I don't know who we're waiting on to get it done, but there is nobody else. There's no plan B. There, there is no second team that comes in and fills in for us. It, we're it. You and I are it. We are the agents of the greater work. Now that should encourage us because Jesus is saying that I am, I'm going to give you what you need and God working in you and through you is going to give you what you need so that you can do things that are greater. But are we doing a greater work? Are we? Are we carrying out that which Jesus said He did under the direction of the Father, but now He wants us to do under the filling of the Holy Spirit and the direction of the Father. Are we doing those things? We've got a greater work to do. We've been called to a greater work. Now, that ought to excite us. That should motivate us and ignite us into saying, man, listen, of all the things... And by the way, you do know God... Preach through a donkey, so. He could have chose the animals to stand up and walk and talk and share his gospel. He could have instructed the birds that whenever they sing, they sing the gospel wherever they fly. But no, he looked at you and he looked at me and he said, you. Hey, you, come here. I got a greater work for you to do. You are going to be my agent of greater works. 
One last truth. And that's the authority of the greater work. Oh, by the way, the greater work is initiated by God, but it's given to the church. Then the authority for the greater work. If there are any verses that are misquoted, misused, and abused, verse 13 and 14 of John chapter 14 is it. He says in verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. God gives the work for us to do, so now it's our responsibility. But here's what he says. I'm going to give you the power and the authority to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to work in such an amazing way that you will have the authority and the power to go do the greater work. How does that work? How does that work? We surrender everything to Jesus. We give our life to Him. We repent of our sin. We turn from our sin and ourself. We turn to Jesus Christ. We receive Him as our Savior. The Holy Spirit of God comes to indwell us. And now we are able to walk in His power and His wisdom and His knowledge so that is He doing the work in us. And through us. It's not that we've got his, his badge that we wear on our person that says, okay, this is why we can do this. But now what it means is we are indwelled with his presence. So now when we go and when we do and we carry out the greater work, it is not I or you that are carry, carrying out the greater work. It is him. And here's what he's telling them in verses 13 and 14. That if you will walk in alignment with me, if you will walk in relationship with me, if you will live your daily life looking and depending upon me, I'll make sure you know what to pray. I'll make sure you know what to pray. I'll make sure that God's will is aligned with what needs to take place and I will let you know what that is so that as you ask God for, for whatever it may be as you pray, you are asking God literally to carry out His own will. And can I tell you something? If you want a prayer answered, He'll say yes to that one every single time. If you are praying in God's will for God's design, God's desire, because He, he is placed it on you. He is in you, through you, showing you, aligning you with the will of God. Then when you pray, the answer will be yes. You see, a lot of times what we want to do, and, I, and listen, I, can I hold my hand up? I'm guilty. I'm guilty of this. We throw in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer, and we think that that covers everything. But we just prayed for something that was so far outside of God's will, it wasn't even funny. And we think just because we put on in Jesus' name on the end of it that that's going to make it work. That God hear it because I put Jesus' name on the end of it. There's a song that came out years ago. 
was a country song, I think, talking about I pray for you. It was a man talking about praying for his girlfriend who had run off with another man. And he says, I pray that your wheel comes off when you're going down the road. I pray that a flower pot falls off the ledge and hits you on the head. I pray that your brakes go out. In Jesus' name, amen. That's not how it works. Throwing in Jesus' name on the end of a prayer doesn't mean that we have prayed within God's will and that God will honor that prayer. He's telling them, look, the authority for the work that you're going to do is in me, God the Son. And I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be with you, living in relationship with you. If you will walk with me and you'll spend time with me and, and you'll, you, you'll be in communion with me, I will make sure that you know exactly what to pray for and when to pray for it. And when you pray, the answer will be yes. Wow. That's why Jesus could give those promises in those two verses. We live and breathe in Christ. We will, if we do that, we will act and pray according to God's perfect will. This is, this, this much we know according to, to 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9. What is God's will? The Lord is not slow about His promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish. But all come to repentance. That's God's will revealed to us right there, isn't it? God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Now, don't miss that. That includes every person. Now, listen to Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. Paul says, How then can they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how are they going to preach unless they're sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. He's talking about not the preacher that stands behind a pulpit, but the preacher that's in you and the preacher that's in me as a believer. Don't tell me you don't preach. I know you do. You preach to the traffic when it's moving too slow. You preach to Walmart for not opening up any registers. You preach to the power company when the power goes out. You, you preach to your kids about doing right and avoiding wrong. You, we, we're all preachers, okay? Proclaimers. And he said, proclaim the good news. And how are they going to hear in a somebody, someone, somewhere? God's will is someone, somewhere. Go tell them the good news. God initiates the greater work. He assigns that greater work to the church. And then we have the authority to carry it out under the power and the presence of the indwelling Christ. So today I ask, are you part of the greater work? Are you? Are you part of the greater work that God is wanting to do through His church? Are you allowing God to use you to reach those He's placed you around so that with truth and love and with grace they hear the truth? Church, we have been given a greater work. But it's going to take every believer 
walking in relationship with Jesus and living on mission with God to get it done. In just a moment, we'll stand, we'll sing. This is our opportunity to kind of, well, it's just our opportunity to decide what we're going to do with this. We are now without excuse. We know the greater work is ours. We know the author of the greater work. We know we're the agents of the greater work. We know that he has given to every born-again believer the authority to do the greater work. So now here's the question. What's stopping us from doing the greater work? Today's a day to grab the greater work and say, Oh, God, help me to be a part of what you're building here in this, this world. That when you come back, and you receive me, whenever that may be, by death or by rapture, that I will have been found faithful in the greater work. This altar will be open. If you feel led to come and pray, I invite you to do so. If you want to pray right where you are, this is a good opportunity for you to do just that. But today's the day for the greater work. Let us pray. Lord, I just don't understand how you could have been any more clearer than you have been. I don't understand how you could have made it any more evident than you've made it. You've left nothing to chance. You've left absolutely nothing without instruction. But Lord, today you're calling your church to a greater work. But Lord, if we'll, be, if we'll be honest, whether as individuals who are part of the body of Christ or even as local churches, Lord, we're not, we're not really doing the greater work. So how I pray, O oh God, call us to the greater work. Give us the courage and the faith to live in relationship with you, Lord Jesus. So that as you reveal God's will to our heart, as you speak God's desire and design into our mind, that we will be able to pray in alignment with the will of God. And we will be able to pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. Thank you for letting us be a part of this. And Lord, today we do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.